Have you ever read a book and thought to yourself, I could explain this to someone else, but maybe there's a few things that I want explained back to me. I'll be sitting down with authors, thought leaders, visionaries. I'm your host, Josh Lipstone. This is Explain This Book to Me. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Josh Lipstone, and this is Explain This Book to Me. Today is book five, episode three, and I am joined for the final time, sadly, by the co-author of the book, Best Version Possible, and he is Brent Kelly. Brent, I wanna thank you for taking the time with me for these episodes. I hope that this was a unique experience for you and Roger um, from other podcasts that you guys may have been part of, and that you gained some deeper insight into those that you guys helped. Uh, Now, Brent, I am curious about something. You begin each chapter of this book with a quote. So which of the quotes is your favorite or maybe the most impactful for you? All right, Josh. So I'm going to throw you a slight curveball because that's what I do. Uh, Because I couldn't just pick I couldn't just pick one of the quotes in the book. So I'm going to select a quote that isn't even in the book. That's my favorite quote. Ah, okay. about that. Yeah. There so here's go. something for the, the listener. Um, and something that I, and part of it, the reason why is this week I've had so many coaches and trainings and so much of it about, mm-hmm. you know, the best version possible starts internal. And so it's a quote okay. from the late, great Jim Rome. And I heard this mm-hmm. when I was in my mid twenties. So it's been a little mm-hmm. while uh, at this mm-hmm. point, but here's what Jim said. And I didn't get it at first. I kind of got it, but I didn't get it. He said, if you mm-hmm. work hard on your job, yeah you'll make a living. If you work hard on yourself, you'll make a fortune. And Hmm. um, the reason why I I use that as my quote to overlie the whole book uh, is the Mm -hmm. fact that, you know, there's all these great quotes in there and we love them. They're there for a reason. But the truth of it is is that, you know, a lot of insurance agencies and agents, professionals, they work hard on their job. But what I really want to challenge, hopefully through this book and this through Mm -hmm. conversation is how hard and how willing are you to work on you? the most important yeah. investment you can make. So there's my slight curveball, Josh. No, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the point of the book is, yes, for us to to make the best version possible of our agency, but also our, ourselves, because you can't separate the two and those that try uh, may not succeed in the way that they want to. Uh, Now, for those of you who are keeping score at home, we are recording this episode on Friday, February 11th, 2022. And in today's episode, we will cover chapters 9 through 11 of Best Version Possible. And sadly, it is our last episode. Uh, So let's go ahead and get started with explaining this book to me for the book Best Version Possible for the final time. So chapter 9 is define your points of differentiation. And to me, This may be the most difficult chapter of the book for myself to master. So you begin this chapter by writing that many agencies do not have a USP, a unique selling proposition, and I believe I'm guilty of this. Um, And a USP is defined as the unique and appealing ideas and things that separate you from all other me too competitors. You continue writing that the way you determine your USP is based upon your points of differentiation or pods, which is our next acronym uh, to add to the list. Now, before we get into the generic five pods, can you explain, is there a difference between a USP unique selling proposition and a USA, a unique sales approach, or is it like calling comprehensive and other than collision the same thing? 
it, it they're very similar. Um, and okay. I, I, th- I think part of it is, and maybe this is more on Roger than me, we just had to get more acronyms, mm-hmm. Josh. Um, okay, yeah. They're, they're, yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's slight difference because you can even take USP and make it a unique selling process, right? There's unique selling proposition mm-hmm. and we got unique selling approach. Yeah. I do think there's a slight difference as far as like unique selling okay. proposition is more of, again, kind of what is your overall, if someone said what truly makes you unique and different, do you have a mm-hmm. statement of value that really can initially separate you? And then the approach is more when we get in maybe even to the process part of it is we have a unique approach in how we work with our okay. clients, right? Which also is okay. a, a differentiator as well. So very similar, uh, but slightly mm-hmm. different. I don't know if that answered your question. Okay. No, no, no. I, I, you know, reading through and I was thinking, I think there is a difference, but yeah. maybe there isn't. And I just wanted to get clarification for us and, and the loyal readers. Um, now, loyal readers, here are the generic five pods. And no, we're not referring to the Fab Five who played yeah. for the University of Michigan in the 90s. So we, we, we need them, to settle Josh? that. Oh, You're way of course. Than me. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Chris Weber, Jalen Rose, uh, Jimmy King, um, Jawan Howard, and I'm missing the fifth guy, which right. he probably hates that everyone forgets the fifth guy. <laughs> exactly. Right. Sorry yeah. to interrupt. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Um, all right. So, number one, generic five, we have great service. Uh, number two, we represent all the carriers. Uh, number three, we're local and been in business for over a hundred years. Number four, we can save you money. And number five, we have the best people. Now, as I was reading these, I think we've heard this at almost every conference that we've been to. You know, how are you different? And the you know keynote speaker goes through these things. But do you ever recommend a producer or an agency using these five as a way to tell the fic that they do all these things, but you know that it isn't enough to become their trusted insurance advisor? So you assure them, you know, hey, we do have great service. We do represent. Can you lean into that at all? Or do you think that it's too generic that you shouldn't even mention that? Um, I think think in a way you could do it. Um, but I don't, okay. I, in the sense of, Hey, you know, we do these things, but we also do more. I, I think you could mm-hmm. fall into a trap very quickly of still looking and sounding a bit generic. And, and you're right, okay. uh, Josh, we, um, you know, I, and this is prior to COVID mainly, but I mean, I don't know how many conferences and workshops I did. And I would mm-hmm. just ask groups this question, like, Hey, listen, yeah. how many here want to be different? And then everyone raised their hand. Well, okay, then explain to me how you are. And every time I would get some version of these five answers, for the most part. I may get a few exceptions, which was great. But generally, I mean, 90%, 95% of the time it was these. And so Mm -hmm. my challenge here and how I would say this is that, you know, again, those five, all insurance – I got to be careful. I hate absolutes because there's never absolutes. But most (laughs) insurance buyers – expect that kind of stuff like you know in, a, in mm-hmm. different ways and i always joke about yep. it I, I don't know how many competitors out there like hey listen like we're local but our service kind of stinks you know like you know they're they're they're, <laughs> right. they're, they're, they're not present and maybe it's true but that's not how they're mm-hmm. positioning themselves and that could come out later but again everyone expects i think the biggest thing that i would want to emphasize to the to, the, to readers and listeners in this is that you just got to mm-hmm. go deeper right you got to go deeper okay. and I, I challenge right. this with um with our team, I go, your agency may have really great service, like, truly. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean? 
Like, why mm-hmm. is it different? Why is it better? Well, it just is. Like, you know, and I had a, um, I'll never forget, I had a sales trainer early on in my career. And this was a great exercise, by the way, for anybody. Mm-hmm. It's not always fun, um, but you give a point of differentiation. And his answer to me is, okay, so what? Oh. And, 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 and you got to go, well, what does that really mean? And you give another answer to mm-hmm. go, well, okay, so what? Um, but I will tell you, it'll challenge you to critically go, what does this really mean in the impact? And I think the other thing too, and, and we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll probably get into this to our discussion is the way that you can, you know, to answer your initial question, Josh, the way that I think that you mm-hmm. can position yourself that yes, we do these, but that's expected mm-hmm. and we do more is through the power of questions. Right. And, and, okay. and again, I'm sure we'll talk about some of these as we move through the chapter, mm-hmm. but that's the key. So often people are quick to tell people what they do, um, which is much better to ask what they want and then be able to ask in a way that was intentional that sets you up in the right way to truly be different. Because it matters not what I say yeah. and what you say. It matters what they say. Right. And I think the problem exactly. generally with the generic five, the generic, is they're subjective. They're really hard to mm-hmm. measure, define, quantify. Like, well, what is service? Right. What does that mean? It means good. Right. Okay. I, I have no idea, you know, in irrelevance. And that does not help me stand out. So just some of my, my thoughts for your question. There. It's a great question. No, yeah. Yeah. I mean, a it, it, uh, couple things. So it makes me think of the, the saying, you know, uh, something could be an inch deep and a mile wide, or it could be an inch wide and a mile deep, um, going yeah. deep on on those things. Um, and then also the, the person that say would, you know, answer you, okay, so what? I feel like that morning they woke up and their three-year-old kept saying, well, why? Well, why? Well, why? Yeah. When they kept telling them, you need to get because dressed. Because I told you so. so. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because right. yeah. I told you exactly. I have great service. Um, so you continue on about the importance of pods as it relates to the law of compensation. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with this law, as I was the first time I read the book, the law of compensation says those who can answer yes to the following questions will make the most money. So question number one, is there a need for your service or product in the marketplace? Number two, do you have the ability to provide it? Number three, is it difficult to replace you? And you write that the third question for the loyal readers is the most important as those that are irreplaceable will be the most successful. And I've heard you speak many times in the past and you've always talked about if a producer is truly a trusted advisor and irreplaceable. So Brent, can you kind of speak to that for the loyal readers? And then to add another question for you, how does Sitkins answer this question for themselves when people ask you that? Yeah, love that. Well, the first thing I'll go back to what we mentioned earlier. This idea of pods mm-hmm. is simple mm-hmm. to understand because people talk about it, including me. But it's really hard yeah. to master. Like yeah. that. so, I mean, it really is. And I, I just want like anybody listening and re- reads the book. It's like this isn't like oh gosh, I'm an idiot. Why why can't I figure this out? I mean, we have large agencies we work with, and they spend three, six, nine months. I mean, and then continue to refine and define what that really means. Um, so as far as like the trusted advisor, irreplaceable, like here's the litmus test, which is not a fun litmus test. Like if you and your agency or your agency team were to disappear tomorrow, like Mm -hmm. what would your best clients say? Like, I mean, you know, that's kind of a weird question. I know, but it's like, would they be like, well, I guess we need to find someone else. Or there would they be like, gosh, how are we going to replace what Josh and his team does? 
right? Yeah. There's a couple of things they do that are going to be really hard for us to replace. Now, of course, the more mm -hmm. complex the account, the more opportunity there is with that. I understand that as well. So mm -hmm. here's what I'd said. I mentioned this earlier. First, you have to understand that people buy for their reasons, not yours. So this right. will get back to questions. Like if I'm going to be irreplaceable, first of all, I have to understand some things that are my competitive advantages, but I have to make sure mm -hmm. the insured or the future insured understand mm -hmm. what that is, what that means to them, the impact it's going to have on their life and their business. And then if I can say right. we can solve that, you suddenly become much harder to replace, right? Now you've got to back that right. up. So what I look at is this, um, when we're going through even a process of this, first of all, the first step is, are we defining specifically the key areas that that client is looking for. Number two, are okay. we documenting those things? And number three, are we actually mm -hmm. delivering what we said we were going to do? Because here's the thing too, Josh, that happens is you could say, you could have a conversation with the future client who becomes a client right. mm -hmm. and they say, hey, Josh, okay. I just need you to do these three things really, really well. Yep. And if you do those, man, we are going to be so happy with you. And then you put mm -hmm. those things in writing, which most people don't, by the way. And mm -hmm. you have a next conversation and say, hey, Josh, Remember, these are three things you said were most important. Has anything changed? No, that's still mm -hmm. it. How are we doing? You're doing great. And we believe certainly, and this would be with your top clients, that you do some form of stewardship or promise report where you go back mm -hmm. and you reemphasize, here's what you wanted, here's what we did. When you continue, because yeah. by the way, your insureds don't remember. They, no. You are not the center of their universe. They are just something, it's, it's like one more thing they have to do. And sometimes, I'm sure you've had this, Josh, they go, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. I did say that. We did talk about that. I did want that. And again, mm -hmm. that's that's part of that process where you become really hard to replace because if you tell me, Josh, what you really want, and of course, I'm going to ask you questions that are going to hopefully unlock that, and maybe we'll talk more about that uh, in this discussion, and I can document that with you and say, hey, thank you, Josh, and as we agreed, and then I deliver and prove it, and you don't have to make this complicated, mm -hmm. it, yeah. I become really hard to fire. Like... Yeah. You told me what you wanted and I did it. See, most people don't quantify that. So that that's my my first take. And I think your second question was, how do we do that at Sitkins, right? What does that look yes. like? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. With our membership and our private client, and there's things that jump to the top of the page. Number one, we're mm -hmm. territorial exclusive, uh, certainly in our private client program. So um, we're very um, selective in who we work with, which makes okay. us hard to replace, right? I mean, we, we know that. There's a reason for that. Um, we have a proprietary selling process called the Risk Concierge Program that our agencies can use and modify and edit, but it's a template. It's their playbook. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure there are people out there that have different you know, kinds of playbooks, but ours is, I'll be very blunt, it's really good. Uh, it works. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're proud of it. We have a holistic team approach. So one of the things we talk about is, you know, how do you currently get your entire team on the same page? How do you okay. currently get your entire team, you know, well, I don't know. We do this and this and this. Well, our approach is every member of your agency has access to our coaching, our training, our tools, our resources, and our community. Which, by the way, is another one of those things is that we build a community, not just of random people, but of committed agents. Like, you know, I always say, if you're the smartest person in the room, go find a new room. So we keep trying to up our game of getting people that are with us that, hey, listen, like we're going to challenge you. We're going to get better here together. And the other thing, too, is one more thing I would throw in is that our entire approach, our process is exactly that. It's a process. Right. Like, yes, I speak at events. I love events. They're fun. Here's what I do know. And it's always kind of that weird juxtaposition of like being a speaker, but also mm -hmm. saying this event's not going to change your life. Well, why should we have right. the event? 
Well, it's a catalyst. Hopefully, it's a catalyst for transformation. It isn't the transformation. And so everything that we do is, hey, listen, if we really want to get results, we've got to have a process that's longer than three days or a week or two weeks. Because anything else, you're just kidding yourself. So it's this idea of continual never-ending improvement. So long answer to a basic question, Josh, but thanks for asking. No, no. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad that you can kind of explain that. I mean, you're, you're gracious enough to come on the podcast and wanted you to kind of explain, you know, what is the Sitkins advantage for someone who is, is looking for that next coach? Um, yeah, so uh, I, I really appreciate you saying that. And one other thing when, you know, you were talking about uh, that, that promise um, that you have to with the client, it reminded me of the conversation I had yesterday with Roger, how you guys go through with the producers and the service team and you have them essentially sign a document that says these are the things that we're going to do and you hold them accountable. So you just kind of take that approach and and move it over there so yeah roger may have said this because it's true and i've fallen short Mm -hmm. of this many times if it's not in writing it probably never happened and you know i would just yeah and i would just say the same thing is true you know with with your clients i mean we have it internally Mm -hmm. but externally and it just it makes it real and you say josh you know, I just want to reaffirm. And part of this is that we care enough to ask because things do change. Yeah. These were the key areas that were important in your insurance program or your risk management program. Right. Um, you know, has anything changed and how are we doing? And if you continue exactly. to get that acknowledgement, oh, by the way, here's our plan for mm-hmm. you moving forward. Like we start to educate. Again, it becomes really hard to fire you. Yeah, it does. You become a key employee or Absolutely. key team yep. member for them. Um, so you continue in this chapter about how to find your true pods and it hinges on answering these three questions. So question number one, what do you do or say that your competitors are not doing or saying? Number two, for each item on your list, put yourself in your customer's shoes and ask what's in it for me? And number three, what is your evidence? So um, I, I kind of gave you a heads up on this because I have a lot of questions. Um, so I don't know if we'll call this like an exercise, um, but f- with these questions, is this a whole agency endeavor? Is it just leadership? Do you need to do it by department, sales service, marketing? Um, do you involve current clients, maybe COIs to help answering? Um, so, uh, I know I threw a whole lot of things at you. Um, So yeah, let's, let's kind of go through. So do we start off with this as a whole agency endeavor or just leadership? I I mean, I think in the questions you're asking, if I got them right, was like, you know, this pods understanding what these means and the impact and the evidence is this, is this leadership? Is this department? Is this by advisor or producer? Right. Is that, is that's what you're asking me? Yeah. The answer is yes, 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 yes. Um, <laughs> okay. And Everyone. and it and it depends. Mm-hmm. And here's why I say that because okay. obviously, the reason why I say that is you know we've got again we we have agencies that we work with that would be mm-hmm. you know Josh kind of in your component as far as smaller teams right. Um, and it's right. not good or bad. It's just where you're at. So to say we're going to do a leadership right. and we're going to do a department and we're going to do a producer, you're probably going to get a lot of overlap, right? Um, uh-huh. To say the yes. least. Whereas we have some agencies that may have you know 20 producers in the PNC or benefits department. Well, what I Mm -hmm. would suggest with that is I think the agency overall should identify as an agency, as a culture, as an endeavor, what are some of the key things that we do overall as an agency that make us unique, compelling, and different, right, in the marketplace? I would do the exact same thing with the PNC, and I would have each individual Mm -hmm. producer. 
And by the way, here's the here's the power of this. Um, and I had this with one of our our agencies. You know, I produced it. I'm like, well, listen, mm-hmm. here's what you could do. You could take one of the agencies and use it. Take one of the departments and use it. And come up with three of your own. Now you got five, right? So it depends uh, how you want yeah. to position it. Um, but you know, and again, five isn't some magical number. But we found that it's become right. really, really powerful. And so, yes, the answer is, I think every area of the agency, if if necessary, should take a look at that because it is mm-hmm. a hard exercise. Okay. Um, and it's a yeah. powerful exercise. And I think the more that you can get your team involved, because you're going to have mm-hmm. people in certain niches potentially, right? Those are going to be different pods. Yeah. Um, so you just, you know, got to be, be you know, aware of that. And then as far as I think you were asking me, like, how do you, um, like, you know, like, where do you come up with some of those? Do you use your current clients, right? I think is one of the questions you're right. asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For like number two, do you actually talk with your current clients or maybe the centers of influence to see because they're they're in those shoes um, yes. and if they can help? Okay, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And we obviously we talk a lot even in the book about the power of the eighty twenty rule. Mm-hmm. But if you just took the top twenty percent right. of your clients, right, and as you're having appointments and mm-hmm. meetings with them throughout the year. And, you know, if you want to get really into this and get their feedback and I would say, hey, Josh, you know, thanks again so much for being one of our clients. We appreciate it. And we continue to look for a long term relationship and being a trusted advisor moving forward. Can I ask you a question? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the one thing that you get the most value from our agency? What's the one area that jumps out at you? I mean, just we love the one thing question because it makes you have to come up with something versus do you like us? Yes. Thank you, Josh. We appreciate that, right? And you know, the example is uh, at a restaurant. You know, the waiter mm-hmm. comes out. How was everything tonight? Good, very good, Josh. Okay, right. And that's it. And everybody feels happy, and we move on. But if you said, mm-hmm. "Hey, Brent, thanks for dining. What's the one thing that we could improve about our experience with you?" So when you ask the one thing question, you get clarity. Yeah. And so to answer okay. your question, I, I've had uh, producers and agencies do this. Just don't make don't make it complicated. You don't do a survey monkey. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not disparaging survey monkey or whatever tool, <laughs> but if people are busy and they don't really take a lot of thoughtful time in it. I'll just be real. They don't. But if I was yeah. with you face to face or on the phone or on a Zoom and say, hey, what's the one thing? And all of a sudden you get three or four of the same answer. Aha. I may have a pod that I need to go deeper in. Right. Or make sure I'm discussing mm-hmm. or asking questions around. So yeah. that's what's jumping out at me. Well, good. Well, good. Well, thank you for sharing that. So in the book, next, you tackle the thought process of our prospects and how the human brain is like a computer um, because the human brain likes shortcuts. And because of that, it makes different folders based on different activities, subjects, etc. So you have to get into the mindset of your client and what the average insurance buyer is thinking. And you have to think about what is triggered in the buyer's brain when they hear the word insurance or insurance agent. Um, so because of this, do you think that the loyal reader should consider changing the title that they go by from an insurance agent to something else or changing the name of their agency to not include the word insurance? My short answer is probably yes, but I think mm-hmm. it can be a cop out, right? I, I, okay. Here's what I'll say this. Like, I don't want to be thought of just just an insurance agent, so I'm going to change my mm-hmm. name to or my title to advisor. Um, you know, mm-hmm. a, a, you know, you got executive this and all those things, and you can you can play with those things. Um, yeah, I'm less worried about title and more worried about impact and how we okay. actually tell those stories and create value in the marketplace, not because it was on our business card, but because how we're perceived. 
and how we approach yeah. things. Now, I think it can be both and, and it should be. Um, the, mm-hmm. the, the part of this book, you know, it comes from two, uh, and we, we do a fun exercise. I think it's fun, um, on our training <laughs> programs and our, in our producer fit, uh, in particular, where it just, it gets the producers to, to understand where most of your buyer's brains are at. Like you said, it's like a computer okay. and the exercise is really simple. I have the producers imagine, pretend, have an out-of-body experience where they're no longer a producer, advisor, whatever mm-hmm. title, and they are now the average insurance buyer. Okay? okay. Like not the best, not the worst, just your average run-of-the-mill insurance buyer. And I actually have them close their eyes. And I said, I'm going to give you one word, and I want you to give me the feedback. You may have been, I've done this in workshops. And I say the word mm-hmm. insurance. And then they type in the chat box. And the answers are always funny, expensive, complicated. Usually they're like grunts, uh, you know, like it's just this like painful thing. Um, and I said, mm-hmm. listen, I mean, whether we like it or not, that's the truth. Uh, going back to right. my, first tra- my first sales trainer, I, he had a lot of good stories. I was just coming to my mind here with uh, my first sales trainer. I'm 22 or 3. Um, mm-hmm. starting the endeavor of an insurance producer, which I couldn't spell insurance and producer and put them together. Um, just getting mm-hmm. out of college. But, um, he said this, congratulations. We're all a bunch of young, new people ready to go, right? Congratulations. You're now mm-hmm. selling a product that no one likes. Uh, they think it's too expensive and they only get to use it when something really bad happens. Good luck. And I yep. was like, oh, oh, this will be fun. <laughs> um, yeah. you know. But it's true. We laugh about it, but it's yeah. true. Um, and it's so, 100% the idea, true. yeah, go ahead, Josh. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was, I was saying, yeah, that's 100% true. I mean, yeah, we, we offer a product that we hope no one ever has to use because it could be uh, the worst day of their life. And yeah, it's, and we're selling a promise of, of you know, here's your piece of paper and maybe you'll use it, maybe you won't. And that's that's hard. It, it is hard. And then, of course, and you've had experience, I'm sure I have too, where at mm-hmm. the same time when those things do happen, mm-hmm. it, it means everything, right, to them, mm-hmm. right? It, it, yeah. It's huge. And, you know, so obviously we know the impact. And if I talk to a bunch of insurance agencies, agents in the room, we're all going to be like, rah, rah, what we do is incredible. Yep. And it is. It is. It's an incredible industry. But again, this goes back to what's the mindset of the buyer. And we have to shift some of that. Um, there's a, yeah. a really good a really good story too. one more to share um, from our, mm-hmm. we, we do an elite sales mastery program called the elite 50 and the okay. producers, again, they, they range in revenue, but give you an idea of the talent. It ranges somewhere. I mean, the average commission is just over a million and we've got two to three to wow. $4 million personal, personal revenue, not premium revenue books of business. So these are wow. some very successful producers. And one guy who's almost at 4 million, actually he was, but he gave some of his book away to his son to help grow his and all that, but almost Mm -hmm. 4 million. He said something that was really interesting. It's the most simplistic Mm -hmm. thing, but he said, Hey, for the course of the next day and a half together, can I make a suggestion? Because we were talking about pods and differentiation. I don't want any of us to ever use the word insurance. And he goes, it's not that it's a bad word or that we couldn't. He goes, but we have to continue to think of the mindset. He goes, I will tell you, you I do business insurance. The only mm-hmm. concept I keep in my mind, not the only, but the first, I guess, right? The, 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 mm-hmm. the key philosophy is how can I help move your business forward? Okay. That's what I'm thinking. And he goes, I know mm-hmm. it sounds simple, but the guy's a $4 million producer, right? So he goes, I go in these accounts. The only thing I'm thinking about is not the insurance placement, not, you know, a transfer of risk. Yeah, that all, that's all the process. 
what can I do as a consultant to help you move mm. your business forward? If I was doing personal lines, you know, for personal risk and the importance of that, yeah. you know, how can I, how can I add value to your life? And, mm. and some people are probably going, oh yeah, yeah. But I'm telling you, it starts with that mindset and then it goes into mm-hmm. the approach. So um, okay. I think changing the title is good, but go deeper, mm-hmm. go beyond that. Um, now you continue on in the book that you don't want prospects lumping you into a pre-existing file. So you have to be intentional about what you say and for them to be able to open up a new file on you and your agency, um, you need to have them, or you need to ask them two or three open ended questions. So Brent, can you kind of give the loyal readers maybe a little cheat sheet on a couple of these open ended questions? Yeah, absolutely. A, even an average question is better than a great answer. And, and, you know, here, here's what I mean. We, we have, again, this goes back just to our experience. I, I have a, again, agencies range. We have some agencies that have every tool and resource that you could imagine, right? And mm-hmm. I'll have agencies, well, we can't do that because we don't have all that. And there's some truth to this. But even mm-hmm. if you have the most tools and resources, if you go out and try to list sell, hey, Josh, let me tell you about the 75 things we do that's incredible. Your eyes are going to glaze over and 74 of them aren't going to matter to you. I mean, that's the truth. Right. And, and so the key to this, we're talking about, it's open-ended and pe- we talk about peer-to-peer questions. Open-ended. Open-ended is okay. pretty obvious. Do you like your agent? <laughs> that's closed-ended. Yes. Shoot. <laughs> right? <laughs> Are you happy with your program? Yes. Shoot. Right? I'm being kind of funny here. Hopefully we do more than that. Yeah. But open-ended, obviously, is yeah. could you share with me, right? We're, we're being open. Mm-hmm. But we actually look at having peer-to-peer questions. So here's the approach. Okay. When it comes to pods, and this is where the power comes in. It's not just having the pod, it's unlocking the pod, right? That's the key. And in their terms. So opening new files and asking these questions is, I want to understand specifically, let's just say, let's just say for the value, one of the things that we do, I'm going to keep this pretty generalized. Let's say that we Mm -hmm. truly do calculate and help mitigate total cost or true cost of risk. A term that's thrown around quite a bit in the insurance space, but quite honestly, not used very much. It's premium, it's coverage, right? So let's make it really simple. So if it's one of the things that we Mm -hmm. do and there's power in that, I could ask the question, hey, Josh, could you share with me the current process of how you measure your total cost of risk and how that's mitigated? Uh, And I feel that's what most people would say. Uh, I don't know. Right. And so that is an example. When you get an uh, or I don't Mm -hmm. know, or no one's ever asked me that before, Mm -hmm. guess what? Yeah you're on a really good path, right? Yeah. Um, right? That, and so that's what I'm getting to is understanding the pot. Mm-hmm. And by the way, some of the pods can be so basic, like mm-hmm. just doing an industry specific, or if you're personal lines, very customized annual risk review. Mm-hmm. And most people, oh, well, I mean, everybody yeah. does that. No, they don't. Like you can try no. that. Hey, could you share with me how your current annual risk review is constructed? And would you be able to share a sample mm-hmm. with me? Uh, no, no one's ever asked me that before. Yeah. Right. I mean, so right there, and of course, I mean, we could, you know, I'm not for this podcast, I want you to go a little bit deeper, right? And then you Mm can share a story. You know, one of the things that we see is this. In fact, here, Josh, is a sample of the annual risk survey specific that we do for clients like yourself. Would this be something that you'd find value in your program? And of course, that's a yes or no question. So to be careful, but after I've done several open ended, or would, you know, what kind Mm -hmm. of value would you see? in having something like this. Well, that would be great. It helped me know this. Great. Or if it's not a value to them, guess what? You know that too. But they define the value, not you. And all of a sudden, when right. we come into your, we don't 
at least in our philosophy, we don't believe in quoting. We believe in a presentation of solutions. When you get to that mm-hmm. and your top three solutions are based around some of the top three things they talked about, they think you're a genius. How did you yeah. know that I wanted this? <laughs> I don't know. Lucky you guess, right? <laughs> right. So, so just yeah. some things to think. And, and these are, you know, I could generalize these, but just for the, the, the readers and the listeners of this, you're asking questions. How do you measure? What is your current approach? What do you consider? Could you share with me what, you know, could you share with me this? Like these are peer-to-peer open-ended questions that are leading you. In fact, this comes, one of my favorite things from Jeffrey Gittimer, who's got some great books out there. He mm-hmm. said, the goal is to ask a great question, to get them to stop, consider your question, and answer in terms of you. That's where mm-hmm. you win. So everything that we do around the pods is this. And by the way, this could be under industry specific. You may have a line of coverage you're great at, cyber. You know, we have people that obviously are very um, able in work comp, right? And mitigation mm-hmm. there with tools and resources. So just obviously it right. starts with identifying your FIC. I'm sure that Roger talked about. Then once you know who they are, you can ask the right questions for the people that you want to work with. So Okay. That makes sense. Well, thank you for that. And, and hopefully, um, loyal readers, you have some uh, open-ended questions that you'll be able to ask the next time you talk to a prospect. Um, now, the final part of this chapter was actually one I was surprised to read, and maybe I didn't fully understand this concept, but you don't teach or coach around BORs or AORs. So why not? Because I hear so many agents um, that do this and do this quite well. So what is Sitkin's I guess, philosophy or position on the BOR and AOR? So first of all, um, and, and I have to talk to you maybe more about this. If if it sounds like we don't like AORs or BORs, that's that's not true yeah. at all. We love AORs and BORs. Okay. Um, okay. You know, we, we, we love them as a solution. We don't teach them okay. specifically. Um, here's what okay. we found. And part of this, and I mentioned, you know, we have our proprietary selling process. What we found for right. a long period of time is that we would, we would help agencies walk their future ideal clients through a systemized process. And ours looks mm-hmm. like an executive briefing, a discovery session, a presentation of solutions. Those are our names. But what we found is people would go through an executive briefing and they would do some of the things we talked about. And they're asking these open-ended questions and they're going deeper in these areas and they're really fine-tuning where they're at. And at some point, right. the future ideal client would say something like this. Well, Josh, can you just do this stuff? Yep. Guess yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> if you have that market, you just got a BOR or AOR, right? So yeah. Um, yeah. we had um, – and to give you an example of this, I, I think it's – I don't remember everything in the book, it's, I, but the, mm-hmm. I believe the story shared in there. I think it is. Um, one of our agencies – and again, to give you an idea, they're, they're, they're a pretty large mm-hmm. agency in comparison. But two, was it three – it's three years ago. Uh, but it goes right into COVID and the year after, right mm-hmm. during COVID – um, we yep. started walking them through pods, open-ended questions, setting the table up front. They wrote, again, now they're, they're what, 20, getting, getting close to 30 million in revenue to give you an idea. So it's a big agency, right? But wow. still consider. Yeah. They wrote $1.14 million in revenue on BORs mm-hmm. and AORs. Okay? That was wow. just the BORs and AORs. That wasn't everything else, right? So yeah. part of it is, is like, here's what we believe. The BOR... And the AOR mm-hmm. is a natural outcome of a great process. That's what it is, right? And I know people teach it. And again, I'm not against BORs or AORs, but I would say at the end of it, you know, when we walk through people, walk through, you know, a process, 
at some point, right, in the conversation, it looks like something like this. Josh, at this point, you know, we've shared a unique process. You've uncovered some of the things mm -hmm. that you're looking for in your risk management plan. At this point, there's three choices. Number one is this is not a fit for you. You know, it, it, you know, you probably already know that, right, when you're having a conversation, mm -hmm. but it's not a fit. Number two is that we do have access to the market that you're currently with and we can take over that account on your behalf. Or number three, mm -hmm. we have a couple other solutions, a marketplace that might be a good option. We can go to market. Right. So that's how we look at it. So we don't just okay. teach that, but we do believe it's a very important part of a great process. Absolutely. OK. All right. Yeah, um, that, that that makes sense. And um, yeah, I, you do explain that in the book. And I just wanted to, to gain clarification that you guys were not against that, um, which I, I didn't think so. Um, now, with that, we're going to move on to the next chapter of the book. And I think that was. Um, the most discussion that we've had um, of any chapters in this book. So um, so chapter 10 uh, is elevate your accountability and leadership. Uh, and you begin this chapter with a quote from John Maxwell, which says, everything rises and falls on leadership. And to me, this is the perfect quote for this chapter on accountability and leadership. Not that the other ones were not, but when I read this, I said, this fits absolutely perfectly. Um, so you begin this chapter by writing that accountability starts with you, the agency owner. You're the leader, and if you're not meeting your goals and accepting responsibility, why should anyone on your team do so? So when I read this, I thought of two things. The first was a saying of, if you can't change your people, then change your people, which led me to, if you can't change yourself, then do something else. Um, so I know that's a harsh statement and I certainly understand that. Um, and I do have some more thoughts on this subject a little later. Uh, but the main focus of this chapter centers around the agency's best version possible pyramid. And there are four layers. So, uh, loyal readers, um, this is in the book, but, uh, if you're just listening driving, so picture a triangle a pyramid. So in the foundation, it's made up of four things. So the first is unique abilities-based high-performance teams that we talked about yesterday with Roger, uh, the 30-40-30 financial model, which Roger also mentioned, embrace technology number three, and number four, carrier management. All right, so then we move to our next layer. So the next layer up is 2% investment in employee development, uh, the client experience, and then number three, the four R's, which are results, relationships, retention, and referrals. Uh, the next layer, uh, the first one is internal communications, and the second one is the four C's, which are clients, colleagues, carriers, and community. And then the peak or the apex of the pyramid is culture of accountability. So to me, this is the culmination of the entire book summed up into this perfect triangle. So Brent, do the loyal readers need to work their way from the bottom to the top when they're going through this, or can they maybe start in the second layer, go to the bottom, just kind of jump around? What do you recommend? It's, it's a great question. Um, I think, you know, first of all, this initially came, I mean, the idea of a triangle, like, like you described, isn't new. I mean, John Wood and mm -hmm. his pyramid of success, you know, it's kind of based a right. little bit on that. If, here's what I would say to this. Um, I would advise if I was talking to an agency leader is is treat this less like a checkbox, you know, check I'm checking mm -hmm. this off and this off because they're all works in progress and more just understand the key foundational areas like, yeah. you know, and so to me, it's not that I, I can't it, it's not like, well, I can't work on layer three 
because I'm still mm-hmm. working on layer one. That That's not really the right. goal of what the pyramid is. Um, it's just to right. kind of set a, a visual of, hey, how are we doing in this area, right? Because as you mentioned, if you know, if we don't have, we'll just use the, the, the first one on there. If we don't have a unique base to build a high performance teams that our team understands sales and service and our roles, mm-hmm. the other stuff right. above it's going to be harder. It just will, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it just will and, and beyond. Now, does that mean that you shouldn't work on, um, you know, I don't know, we'll just pick another one, the client experience? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, that's always going to be part of that. But I think the idea right. is less, you know, tactical check the box and more just understanding that um, there's foundational principles. And at the very top, I will say this, the... I don't know if this makes any sense. I, I even thought about like flipping it the other way to a degree. I've talked to mm-hmm. Roger about this because it's at the top, but it's also centered around everything. Like I would almost take the culture of accountability and draw a circle mm-hmm. around it and be like, that's mm-hmm. everything. Because you could have yeah. every strategy and tactic in the world and do things really well, uh, at least of what you think. But if people right. aren't going to do those things that are agreed to, it doesn't matter. So. I don't know if I gave you a great answer there, but less checks, more foundational, more of just awareness than I'm trying to follow a path on the on the pyramid of, you know, as far as the BBD yeah. pyramid. No, no, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I wanted the loyal readers to, to have an understanding that, um, you know, something may be in what appears to be the foundation of the pyramid because it's at the bottom. But that doesn't mean that you have to start there that you can start in other places so giving them permission not to check the box as you said um, so that you, so you write that in order to make this pyramid work there needs to be a mind shift within leadership and again that starts with the agency owner so the leader needs to move from a me thinking to a we thinking and you equate this to athletes who in retirement decide to go into coaching and Sometimes that doesn't work out and sometimes it does. So when I think about this, it takes me back to my first job out of college. So living in uh, near Chattanooga, Tennessee, I worked at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. And I remember how they would promote based on who was the most successful at selling the coverage that they offered. And from the beginning, I was always perplexed by this because my mentality was that just because a person could sell doesn't make them a great manager or leader, or you are taking your best salesperson out of their best function in the group and putting them in maybe one that isn't. So, um, or to kind of put this in terms of what our clients may do, just because someone can fix a toilet doesn't mean they should start a plumbing company. And then to put it into an insurance agent term, just because you can sell insurance doesn't mean you should start an agency. So um, do you have any thoughts on this concept of being successful in sales translating into being a successful agency owner? I think you just nailed it. I, I don't have to add much uh, to what you <laughs> okay. said. I mean, I mean, you're right. I mean, the, the bottom line, I think, and, and we asked this on our programs. I mean, there's so many mm-hmm. head nods and arms in the air is that, you know, how many of you started selling insurance? And ended up running mm-hmm. an agency or a department. And a lot of hands yeah. go up. And it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it can't work. It can. It just means mm-hmm. you need to know there's a different mindset and a different skill set, as you said, Josh, to manage and lead people right. than it is to go grow a book of business. And you're right. right. There's a lot of things you got to be careful on. I mean, hey, I'm a, you know, I'm a million dollar producer. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, the, the best analogy I can give, because everything goes back mm-hmm. to sports, is you know, I'm gonna take Michael Jordan, my best score. And I'm going to, you know, put him on the bench or I'm going to just have him play defense only. Like, 
Right. <laughs> um, you're you're missing opportunity here. He's really good at that. Exactly. You should let him or her, right? In this case of insurance, go mm-hmm. do what they want. Um, and here's the only right. thing I'll, I'll add to this. And this is something I talk mm-hmm. to sales. We have a lot of we do programs for just sales leaders um, in our membership. Okay. And it's a really hard role because most people are wearing multiple hats, right? They're producer, sales leader, sometimes they're the agency principal. And the overall concept is this. Um, going farther, further, mm-hmm. is different than just going faster. Right. And people have to understand that, right? You might know exactly what you need to do, but the question is who are you going to take with you? So I think mm-hmm. that's the overall concept of be aware of that. And it's really hard for high-level salespeople to slow down to do that because it's not in their nature, which is okay. Right. Yeah. Just know it. Be aware of it. Yep. Yep. So you highlight in the book the following, um, and I want to read this as a direct quote. So a coach's most important job is to get people to do what they don't want to do in order to achieve what they want to achieve. Um, So to me, this gets back to understanding psychology and how to motivate people. And what you coach your clients to do is use the reverse performance management approach. And here's how it goes. So loyal readers, have you ever had a producer not hit their numbers? Or if you're the producer, maybe you have not hit your own numbers. Maybe it was for a month, quarter, a year. How did you respond to, um, how did you respond as the leader? Or how did your leader respond to you if you're the producer? Did you say or were you told, just make sure you hit your numbers the next time? Um, and to me, this is kind of the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. So instead, you you, you need to use RPM, which I believe is the final acronym in the book. Um, so Ooh. RPM is an agreement. I know, I know. I should have kept a list. Maybe I'll go back through and, uh, and look for that. So RPM is an agreement between the team members and team leader about what exactly their role is. what the non-optional behaviors and strategies will be, what they're accountable for. We talked about this earlier in this episode where when you're meeting with the client and you have the promise and you say, these are the things that you wanted and we've done it, you're holding yourself accountable and you're holding them accountable to actually committing to what they wanted. So now I'm going to talk directly to producers. When you meet with your sales manager or team leader, For your monthly meetings, you are providing the information to them. They are not asking for it. You're providing to them. You give them what you did that month, what you can improve upon, and what you need for your development. So this holds you accountable and your leaders accountable. Um, Now, Brent, I should know this, but help me. Do you have a recommendation or something that you can tell the loyal readers that they should be reporting on during this meeting? So producers with their sales leader. All right. I'm not trying to be flippant here, Josh, but here's my answer. Sure. Yes. You report, you, you report on the agreed upon behaviors that were discussed last month okay. or in the previous that's, meeting. I mean, I mean, all right. and, and, that's, and, and you've already hit on this. Mm-hmm. Part of this is I want to get, and we want to get, in this case, producers, as I were talking about, mm-hmm. to think specifically about the mm-hmm. key behaviors and actions that are going to help them achieve the success that they, not me, they want mm-hmm. right okay. and so mm-hmm. the example is um you know like you know, i need to grow my pipeline the next 30 days josh it's really important that i get back and yep you th- yeah it is important Remember, we had this conversation and again, you're right you already mentioned it. sometimes it's like well you didn't hit your pipeline numbers yeah i know all right go get it next month all right versus saying okay obviously it's important we know this and i'm just using a you know a, for instance here 
But, you know, it's like I would want to say, okay, let's talk about it, Josh. What are some things that you're thinking of that could really help expand your pipeline? Well, I could do mm-hmm. this. I could do this. Uh, you know, I could start a weekly meeting with my centers of influence. Um, I could proactively reach out to my top 10 clients and set an appointment mm-hmm. and start thinking of ways to earn and ask for referrals, right? Um, I could leverage right. LinkedIn, right? I mean, you know, you could go through, we could go through a number of things. Let's pick the right. key three. This one, this one, this one. All right. Now, when, you know, and so part of that is the monthly report isn't stuff that I made up. It's stuff that we talked about and you agreed yeah. to. And together we agreed together. So that's the way that we look at it. So that to me is, and again, these are going to take different shapes and forms. But I can tell you when you own something, it's like owning mm-hmm. versus renting, right? You have right. a higher level of responsibility around it. So we want producers to own their behaviors and actions, not just because Brent or their sales leader told them to do something. Because guess what? People don't like to be told what to do, especially producers, yeah. right? But if they say it, just like the clients, you mm-hmm. have a higher level of, of ownership in that. Exactly. Well, good. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, So you write that RPM will make you feel uncomfortable, but in the uncomfort is where you will find success just down the road to Chicago and see, tied it back to our road trip from earlier. Uh, So you also write that numbers are simply the end result of the producer's activities. And what you as a leader need to do is manage their behaviors and strategies to change the numbers. Um, I think you kind of gave us um, an example of of this question that I had written down, but maybe can you give us an example of how a conversation goes with a producer who didn't hit their numbers and you as the leader are trying to change their behaviors? Yeah, we found there's two magic phrases. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll say magic. I was careful of saying mm-hmm. that word. But, you know, if we were having a conversation and we agreed upon some mm-hmm. of the specific behaviors or actions that you needed, Josh, and then we came to our yep. meeting. And by the way, reverse performance means you report to me, hey, here's mm-hmm. what we agreed on. Here's what I did. Here's what I didn't do. Right. And so I can coach. Mm-hmm. But you don't do the things that you said you were going to do. And versus, gosh darn it, Josh, I'm so mad at you. Go do it next time. Right. That's really going to help you. But I would say something mm-hmm. like this, you know, Josh, help me understand, um, you know, help me understand why you didn't do the things you said you were going to do. And I can listen to you and mm-hmm. it could be excuses or it could be real. And then the other part, when you have stuff in writing, remember the power of writing, I could yes. hold it up and say, I thought, I thought we agreed. I thought we agreed this is really important because you wanted to achieve X, Y, and Z. You're right. And I've had great coaches in my life. Hey, Brent, I thought you wanted to be a first team all conference. Mm. I did. And you go, and, and you see the, you go, you're right. I need to get back to what I need to do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. And so let's define that again. So that's, that, that is the purpose of that conversation. Yes. All right. I like that. Um, now you wrap up RPM and write that it represents both management sides, mentoring with coaching and mentoring with accountability. And for both sides to be effective, you need clear communication, respect, and trust. And you, and by doing this, you create a culture of accountability, which is the apex of the pyramid. Um, so the final topic we will cover in this chapter is growth and the future. And you take us back to third grade with the order of operations. And you can grow either by addition or multiplication. And in the order of operations, you start with multiplication and then addition. So you want to multiply the skills of the members of your team and then add to your team with new members. So Brent, what are ways that leaders can multiply the skills of those on their team? All right. So I have a crazy concept. Are you ready? Yes. We can improve her skills by practicing them. I know. 
I just, no. that's crazy. To talk. <laughs> it's crazy. To talk. Um, obviously, I'm being a little bit funny, but it's true. And, um, you know, I'll give you one quick example. Uh, I mm -hmm. do this in a few trainings, but certainly the producer training because it's about skill development, mm -hmm. right? Um, right. You know, I, I say on, on a scale from one to 10, how important is the skill of communication for your success? Every time, 10, 10, 10, 10, 11, 12, 10, mm -hmm. 10, 10, 10, 10, right? And joke around. Okay, on a scale from one to 10, how deliberately, deliberately and intentionally do you practice the key skills of communication, which include asking great questions, right? Listening. We could, we could add in body language if you wanted to in certain areas, mm -hmm. uh, presentation style skills. I mean, asking for referrals, positioning your statements, all these things. They're usually about a four or five. So there's a disconnect. So mm -hmm. if you want to multiply, right now, of course, this is true with leaders, right? We all have different skills right. we have to. I just think is this, low risk practice, and we call low risk, meaning that when you practice low risk in your agency, in front of a camera, mm -hmm. recording your voice, um, a peer, guess what? You may feel silly and you may not like it, but you don't lose any money. No one actually gets hurt. It's like the bunny slopes, right? Maybe your pride is hurt, mm -hmm. but your skills get way better. And right. if you would just take 15, 20, 30 minutes a week, if you're not doing any and say, okay, I'm not getting referrals. How can I get better at asking these where I don't feel like a goofball? Because mm -hmm. that's how most people have, right? How do I begin to position myself where I don't sound wishy-washy? Like practice that. What are some of the key objections? How do I do an executive briefing as we talk about? You know, all these things and we could go. But that to me is if you want to multiply, work on skill development, which call, is called practice. Pretty, pretty yeah. complicated, I know. Yeah. Role playing. The, uh, it, I, I wonder if people hate role playing more than they hate cold calling. That would be an interesting yeah. So I, I'll just do. say this, yeah. we uh, obviously doing virtual, it's a little different uh, mm -hmm. when we do as many yeah. in person, but it is mm -hmm. funny because I see it and I laugh. I'm like, we're going to get up and we're going to do some of this. And they're, <laughs> and you know, it's funny. Within five minutes, they're typically smiling and laughing and they come back and there's this aha of like, hey, that wasn't nearly as bad as I thought. I didn't get hurt. Mm -hmm. And number two is I actually just got better in five minutes. Like I yeah, just got better exactly. at my number one skill, which is called talking. That's what you do. <laughs> it's like a basketball player saying, you know, I don't really like practicing the dribbling. That's kind of annoying. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good luck. <laughs> so anyway, I'm off my rant now, Josh. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, now with that, loyal readers, we have reached the end of chapter 10 and head to the final chapter of best version possible. Um, so chapter 11, final chapter of the book is why not you? And you bring the reader back to chapter two when you wrote about the 18%. Roger talked about it a lot yesterday. The 18% of agency owners who are semi-successful and want to become like the 2%. So in the 18, uh, you know, these are the agency owners who put in the 68 hour work weeks, preoccupied with daily problems and details instead of focusing on the bigger picture. And you write that if they are willing to put in the work, they can achieve freedom of time, freedom of wealth, freedom of purpose, and how to become one of the 2% of agency owners who live a life of total freedom. Uh, now, Brent, for the loyal readers who have spent the last two episodes with us in this one, and they want to hear from you, why they should hire the Sitkins group to help them become part of the 2%, what would you say to them? I would answer that with, this is going to shock you, two questions. Mm. 
Oh, I can tell you, oh, we do this and we do this. And let me show you about the organic growth rate for this agency and the revenue. And we've got those and we're proud of them. But here's mm -hmm. two questions I would just ask anybody. Number one is what's possible? Like what is actually possible for your agency and your team and your future if you would truly commit to doing some of the things that probably in the back of your mind you know you want and you should do? Like what, mm -hmm. What's actually possible? And one of the things that we say is this, your, and, and maybe Roger said this, but your current business model mm -hmm. is perfectly designed to get you the results that you're currently getting. Your current business mm -hmm. model is perfectly designed to get you the results you're currently getting. If you're really happy with those, if you love them, hey, kudos, stay the course. If not, maybe there's a better way, mm -hmm. right? I'll just I'll leave it at mm -hmm. that. Um, and here's my second yeah. question. Are you done yet? Are you done? And, mm -hmm. you know, there is a toxic world in insurance because this business is awesome, because of something called yes. renewals and contingency. I mean, there's a lot of cool mm -hmm. stuff. But are you done yet? Are you too busy mm -hmm. to get better? It always shocks me. Well, I'm just so busy I can't improve myself. I don't know what's more important. And uh, I mentioned Jim Rohn. I'll mention mm -hmm. him again. I love these quotes because they're basic. Jim says, how tall does an oak tree grow? Well, as tall as it possibly can. That's what oak trees do. But for mm -hmm. some reason, human beings have this ability or lack of ability mm -hmm. to go, eh, pretty good, right? I, I went through college. I went through high school. I read books. I think I'm done learning now. You know, I've been in the business for three years, five years, 10 years. I think I got it. I'm good. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you are an agency, and it doesn't have to even be Sitkins, I'm not going to go that far. We love what we do. We believe mm -hmm. in the people we work with and all those things. But like, hopefully, I don't think anyone, by the way, I'm preaching the choir here, Josh, because no one's listening yeah. to this, like that doesn't care. <laughs> I mean, right. that's exactly. just, that, that doesn't matter. Um, but bottom line is this, if you're committed to never ending improvement, that I'm always looking for a way to, to take myself, because that's the human condition, we would love to talk to you. I'll leave it at that. Oh, very good. Well, thank you for that. And with that, we have reached the end of today's episode and the end of the best version possible. So thank you, Brett, again, for joining me for book five, episode three of best version possible. Uh, Brent, can you tell the loyal readers how to get in touch with you one final time? Absolutely. Yeah. The best way, if you want to reach out, email, it's brent at sitkins.com. Just go to my, just send me an email. I, I, I reply to my emails. Uh, sometimes it takes me a little longer, but brent at sitkins.com. And obviously sitkins.com is our website. All of our stuff is there. Our movie is mm -hmm. there. You can access to the book. It's all there. So, and, and yeah. I want to tell you too, Josh, thank you so much for allowing me to do this. Uh, I said before we started recording, um, it's funny, you write a book and the time and the energy and the involvement, but your insight and the questions you've asked have had a different perspective. So I really appreciate it. Of course, of course. Glad that we could do this. Um, and loyal readers, we will have in the show notes again, uh, the link to uh, be able to buy the book and also be able to watch the movie. So loyal readers, please make sure that you're subscribed to the Agency Intelligence Podcast Network. And if you have 60 seconds to spare today, would you please leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform? Because when you do that, others just like yourself will find us and we'll be able to impact more people because of you. If you haven't already purchased Brent's book, then again, check the show notes where there's a link to purchase it online. 
As a reminder, we are on Instagram at explain this book to me, and we'd love it if you can follow us there because we want to connect with you outside of the podcast. If you have a question or a thought you'd like to share with me, please email me at uh, josh at agency-intelligence.com. And loyal readers, thank you for downloading the third episode of our fifth book of the Explain This Book to Me podcast, where I sit down with authors, thought leaders, and visionaries to explain the book to you and have them answer the questions that I have. Remember to be safe, be healthy, and love everyone. This has been Josh Lipstone with Explain This Book to Me. 